as I will continue to preach in the series for Holy Week 2022 when I survey the wondrous cross part 8 turning your Bibles to John chapter 20 John chapter 20 let's stand for the reading of God's holy word the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark that's early in the morning unto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Now this is just a uh, side light that I just want to bring up for your good that we can learn from Jesus, from his example. We know that this is a totally different situation. Uh, but now, Mary Magdalene, the former prostitute, uh, got up early, we can learn from her as well, to go to the tomb. And it was still dark. Okay, so we can learn from her that she was up early and about the father's business. But notice also that Jesus got up early on Easter Sunday morning. He didn't waste any time. He didn't wait for noontime. He didn't stay asleep until four in the afternoon. But he got up early and he was already uh, out the tomb. So uh, uh, I'm hoping that that will speak to some of you lazy heads who like to lay in the bed all day, all morning long, and understand the value of getting up early. Now that 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 has nothing to do with this series or this message. I just thought I would share that with uh, you, especially to some of my soon come people. This is important to us here because I have uh, they know who I'm talking to. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to other and to the other disciple. And by the way, she did the right thing. See, we, got, we have women today who want to avoid the men and go past the men and usurp the authority over the man. But please understand, contrary to what you're making up today, God is referred to as a male. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is a male. God made it clear that he does not want women to usurp the authority 
over the man. So therefore a woman cannot be a pastor over men. Period. And, the, 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 and there are no doubt thousands of reasons why God wants it this way. He called 12 disciples. We thank God for Mary Magdalene. God was not changing the order of, of uh, the genders by allowing her to be the first one to the tomb. Uh, it was a conviction and a rebuke to the disciples because she was at the, at the crucifixion. They had fled. But to her credit, bless her heart, the former whore, Mary Magdalene, she knew what to do. <clears throat> I got to go tell the fellows. I have to go tell his disciples. I know they failed him and denied him and uh, betrayed him and forsook him. I was there. Uh, but I, I'm going to do it God's way. And that's what you women need to do. Don't turn me off yet. L listen to the message. And, and then you can turn me off, okay? <laughs> I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going you know, to continue to preach the word of God whether you like it or not. I've been preaching the gospel for 42 years in the word of God. The whole counsel of God. While you've been playing church. So you're hearing the truth. <clears throat> so, uh, keep on listening. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. No doubt this shook up Peter. And we know not where they have laid him. Now John was there with Mary Magdalene. Mary and, 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 and the mother of Jesus and her girlfriends. Thank God for the women. I love uh, women and I thank God for women and I thank God for using women in the ministry and in the church. Uh, you just need to know your place and remember your place. Mary Magdalene is still famous for what she did. Didn't take anything from Mary Magdalene by going to the brothers. She understood what she needed to do. You need to understand what you need to do. See, 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 part of our sinful nature, you know why things are so messed up in your family, in the church, and uh, in the world, is because a part of our sinful nature is that we rebel against the boundaries. We rebel against the parameters that God put us in. See, we think we can just do anything when we want to. And that's, that's not the case, beloved. And now, now, wait a minute. You girls, you women, y'all love those books by the counselor about boundaries. You love to say to your husband, do, do not cross my boundaries now. We got to have boundaries. But you have no respect for your husband's boundaries, but you, you got a whole lot of respect for your boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, but see, and you have no respect for God's boundaries. God has placed you, placed boundaries around you, and parameter, a uh, parameter around you. But you cross it all the time because you're rebellious and you're stubborn. See, this is what God hates: pride, stubbornness, rebelliousness. Some of you parents, you can't stand it when they, there's a teenager in your family or a young adult in your household living with you. And they think they can, other children don't even think like that. They know better. But you, got, you, you always have that one who thinks they can just get up and go do whatever they want. And, you, and if, you, if you're wise, you're going to sit them down and help them to understand that somehow they missed the instructions when they were younger or something. Or something's going on wrong in their hearts and minds. Okay, God is the same way with us. You just can't get up and do what you want. Peter therefore went forth. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, which we talk. Uh, which is John, he's being humble here, that's good, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together. There was some running going on early Sunday morning. And I don't think they were jogging. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen uh, cloths lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen uh, clothes lying. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen uh, clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. By the way, this is a whole lot of detail for this to uh, uh, for this not to have happened. Fiction is normally not this detail. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not. Now this was good news, especially to John and to Peter, and good news for the whole world. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. 
Now, right here in this passage is where many women and many effeminate men, pastors, who would try to say, see, the disciples went back to their home and Mary stayed around. So she, she, uh, all women should be uh, considered preachers on the same level as other, uh, as, as men and ought to be over men in the ministry because of this right here. Uh, I believe that God and Jesus rewarded Mary Magdalene because she was there to the end. The disciples were not, except for John. And God in his mercy and in his grace, because God is no respecter of persons. How many times have you parents you had to uh, raise, you had to let a daughter do uh, something and and uh, uh, lead the way in a certain area when the son should have done it and he failed and you had to lean on your daughter. I believe God uh, rewarded her because the disciples forsook Jesus. Peter, the chief among them, denied him three times. This is very painful. No doubt for the Lord, and now no doubt for Peter. And, but Mary, rather, stood without at the sepulcher. You may be seated. I'm already preaching. Weeping as she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. I believe also that God rewarded Mary Magdalene because she did the right thing. She was obedient and she went to the uh, the disciples who had failed Jesus. First, they went to sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, I mean, they just these brothers just just bless their heart. They just fell apart on Jesus. Now, you know this is true because people would not make this up. You can't make this stuff up. They went to sleep on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. At, at, at no doubt the toughest time of his life. You see, he asked him, can you wait for me? Can you pray with me one hour? Then they went to sleep again, and, and, and he said, Now watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, brothers. And then when the chips were down, at one point, Peter, you know, a man's man, he cut off, he, he did wrong, but in the, and not in the spirit of the Lord. He cut off a man's ear, almost cut his head. He was going for his head. Okay, he, he was that uh, zealous. Uh, but when he saw the Romans uh, arresting Jesus, and, and, and see, see, we don't, like, we don't like being arrested. Uh, he denied Jesus Christ. And when he saw he was getting ready to get arrested too, he denied Jesus Christ not once, not twice, but three times. And then forsook him the chief among the disciples. 
he was so defeated and discouraged at his failure that he went back to fishing and led some others to go back to fishing with him. Jesus had predicted this was going to happen, and still he did it, of course. Now we're talking about Mary Magdalene and see the two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet. And I, this is always moving to me, and, and I just love the matter-of-factness of the angels. Where the body of Jesus had lain. <laughs> the angels who dwell with God. He was, they were talking to these people who halfway believe. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? You don't know what's going on? And notice the straightforwardness of the angels. But they already know what's happening. They dwell with God. She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And no, there was no girlfriend, boyfriend thing with Mary Magdalene in Jesus. Uh, that's blasphemy. Get that out of your wicked, evil, Romeo and Juliet mind. Okay, there's none of that. None of that, man. Okay. Jesus never sinned. Period. In word, thought, or deed. And, and I don't care how fine Mary Magdalene was, and she was, uh, Jesus never sinned with her. So get that out of your uh, wicked, gutter mind. Okay? You people. Y'all be making up stuff in your mind because you're wicked. And some, some, some of you wicked women are saying, well, that's a lot of love that woman had for Jesus. Yeah, for, his, for, for her Lord. Huh? Huh? No, no, that's how you're thinking because that's how your corrupt mind works. Get it out of your mind. This is all pure, man. Woman. And when and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? This is absolutely beautiful. Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Not honey, like some of you people are lying on Jesus about. 
but Rabboni, which is to say master. That's a different situation. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not. She was so happy to see him, she probably wanted to hug him in a holy, godly, righteous way. You know, a true Christian hug. For I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. Jesus still loved his brethren who forsook him, denied him, betrayed him, and say unto them, not including Jews, you know, Jews was inhaled by this point, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. This is mind-blowing stuff, people. You will never fully get your head around this, but you can believe it and have faith in God that it is exactly how it is written. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples once again, she did the right thing. Go tell my brethren. Jesus told her to go tell my brethren. For you women pastors out of here, uh, out here who are in rebellion against God, usurping authority over men, including your husband. I have to deal with this because this, this is where you go. Yes, on Easter Sunday morning it is the word of God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Now this is John's book that he's writing now. This has to be true because no man would make this up. Humanly speaking, this is quite frankly embarrassing to the disciples. But it is uh, the truth. And they should be embarrassed for forsaking Jesus. They should have been at the cross. They should have been the pallbearers, not uh, the secret uh, uh, service Christians, Nicodemus and Joseph, who evidently took him down off the cross by themselves. They truly believed. Because this was, this was quite frankly, uh, 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 a situation. Taking a dead man off the cross after they uh, brutally beat him. This was not a, 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 a pretty thing to do. It was a wonderful thing to do. But... Uh, this was not anything for men who were squeamish, uh, squeamish, or, or, or had uh, stomachs in which they can't, they couldn't take anything. I mean, this was serious business, man, serious job. And the disciples should have been there, right there with Mary and her girlfriends and John.
I can imagine John coming back from the cross experience and saying, "What, boys, what happened? No, he went back to them. Now, some of us would have been proud and said, I was the only one there, so I don't want anybody to follow me from now on. He didn't do that. He went right back to the disciples because Jesus had called them. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. They, they not only feared the Romans, they feared the Jews, mainly. Because the way they were thinking, if they would kill the innocent Jesus Christ, what would they do to us, the followers of Christ? Then the same day, at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst. Can you imagine how they felt? And saith unto them, He didn't say, Where are you? He said, Be he said, Peace be unto you. That's the difference between Jesus Christ and us. Because we would say that where in the world were you all? I spent three and a half years with you, and y'all forsook me like that. And you, Peter, you denied me three times, just like I told you. Mm. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Remember, that was the last... Uh, injury that they did to Jesus when the Roman stuck the spear in his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. What power, what love, what grace, what authority. And that statement right there is not only for those disciples who were there in that house, but to us as well, by extension. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and saith unto, the, unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins 
you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. He was still in hiding someplace else. He didn't get the text or something. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Didymus was, it sounded like he was kind of miffed with everything that has been happening. <laughs> so he was kind of upset about some things and things that have not gone the way. And, and, and guess what? That's how some of you are. And it's a shame before God. You're just like Didymus. You say, Preacher, why are you calling him Didymus? That's his name. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus. Many of you are like Didymus because things don't go the way you think they ought to go. Yet they go God's way. You're still upset. You're still angry. You're still mad. You are uh, 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 miffed. And, and there's a difference. I, I have to say this. Forgive me, my sweet evangelicals. Some of you are pissed. I mean, there's a difference between being pissed off and, and angry. See, if, you, if you're just pissed off, you may not do anything violent. If you're angry, you, you, you're, in, you're in danger of doing something violent. It's just a continual pissed offness is what you are about things not going the way you want them to go. Yet they're going God's way because all things work together. Uh, for the good to those who believe. My oldest son, before he, uh, uh, after he graduated from college and he went off into a fine profession. And I had to chastise him the most growing up. I had to rebuke him the most. But he wrote a letter back and said all things work together for the good. So you may not like the situation you're in. You may not like the rebuke and the chastisement that you may get Things may not be going the way you want them to go, but they're going the way God wants them to go for you, and you need to stop being like Didymus. Thomas. Because the other sin that Thomas committed was unbelief. And, and not only that, pride. 
If I don't see this, and I don't, this is how you get. This is how didymus, the didymus is in your life you get. If I don't see this, and we've been through so much, and and I shook Jesus too, and 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 because I thought things were going to work out uh, the other way, and we're going to, he was going to be the king, and we're going to be uh, on the throne with him, and so forth and so on. And look at look at us now, out here hiding. That's how the didymuses get in your life. I feel sorry for the Didymuses. See, because the true believer, the true Christian, they don't need any proof. They believe the Lord. And, and, and when you get that way, in fact, the reason why you get the way like Didymus and Thomas on Easter Sunday morning, when you should be celebrating, you should be happy, that we saw the Lord, brother, you were not here. You were still in hiding in India or someplace. I don't know where you were. Now, here we are, ten of us. We're telling you we saw the Lord. And Mary Magdalene saw him first. And here you are mad and miffed and pissed off. You know where they come from? People who don't believe in the Lord, they don't. They, they have a problem with trust in the Lord, and they live a. Listen to me. These people live a miserable life because they and they want. But here's what they want to. They want to blame other people. Always want to point the finger at somebody else. They take no responsibility for their behavior, but the at the crux of the matter is they do not believe, as Didymus said. He, he, he said that. He said, I will not believe. That'll let you know that your belief is based upon your will, too. I don't, I don't, I don't know why Christians think Christianity is something nebulous and floating out in the air. And, and to, no, 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 no. Like Spurgeon said earlier in the earlier service, when you talk about human agency and the winning of so. One of the things I have loved about Christianity is because it is um, so clear and straightforward and factual. And, uh, uh, and therefore, believable. It's based upon biblical facts. But there are people in the church among the disciples who don't believe and they cause the most problems in the family, in the church, and in the world. These people are a problem. They always got that stink face on them. They wake up with it. They keep it on their faces throughout the day. They go to bed with it. They are constantly and perpetually pissed off. Primarily because they don't believe in the Lord. They don't believe in what the Bible says. All things work together for the good. And, and let me tell you something. You can try to help them believe it. But you are probably wasting your time. The Lord is going to have to convince them. One way or another. 
most of them most of them have to go through it the hard way and Jesus is going to show up for Thomas called Didymus and after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them then came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you here's something else that you need to follow Jesus on uh, when and when people have messed up uh, sometimes it's best uh, not to even deal with it and come in peace and do what Jesus did here peace be unto you you got uh, Didymus here doubting him and breaking bad and being proud and arrogant if I, I, I want to see the proof if I don't see that, 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 that. he was probably mad because he was not there the first time no doubt mad at himself for f- fleeing somewhere he went all by himself evidently left his cell phone didn't could get the text he didn't know where they were what they were doing And I want you all to know, Didim, I'm sure he said, uh, you know better than me because uh, you, you fled too. So don't be looking down your nose at me. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither. Like, because Jesus heard him in his proud, arrogant talk. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, Didymus. Don't be an unbeliever. Not trusting in the Lord. Not trusting in me. And be not faithless. That is without faith. But believing. That's a commandment. You need to believe. You know why your marriage is... Shot or almost shot because you don't believe in the Lord. It's not about your wife or your husband. It's about you uh, not believing in the Lord. Your faith needs to be in the Lord, man, woman. Stop worrying and fretting and blaming others. Have faith in the Lord. If you have a true relationship with the Lord, you'll do fine. In whatever the situation is, in the church setting as well, on your job. Stop fretting and stop worrying and stop compromising your convictions. Let me me tell you people something, you Christians. The people living today in the woke world we're living in here, they are going to take you to the wall where you can't go any further. So stop bowing down and, 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 and not keeping your convictions with these people. They're filled with demons. Just like the homosexuals. They're demon-possessed. And they're going to take you to the limit. You keep on backing up, they're going to take you to you don't believe anything. 
See, don't be like that. Don't be faithless, but believing, as Jesus told Thomas. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present, some, some hymn books say present, some hymn books say offering, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This beautiful hymn, ladies and gentlemen, when I survey the wondrous cross, is a life-changing hymn. It encouraged me to do what God had called me to do, and that is become full-time for him. And I know why now God wanted me to be full-time and to trust in him and not go the regular route of getting a job, which I wanted to do. I wanted to be like uh, everybody else and get a job and, you know, uh, make that sure paycheck that we have grown to love in America and help the Lord out. The Lord told me, I don't need your help. And here's how he called me to full-time service. He said, Daniel, somebody 
has to be full time for me. That's, that's how he called me to full time service. Now notice that last stanza of that uh, hymn, When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross. He, uh, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering or a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Uh, that propelled me on that, that, those words. If Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died on the cross for our sins to save our soul from hell, and he did, it deserves everything I could give. And it still wouldn't be enough when I survey the wondrous cross. Dr. Chuck Swindoll said with Jesus' last breath on the cross, he declared the debt of sin canceled, completely satisfied. The penalty for sin is death, and we were all born hopelessly in debt. You talk about student loan debt, buddy, that's, that's nothing. That's a cinch compared to the debt we owed God because of our sins. Trillions upon trillions of dollars worth of sin we were in debt to God until Jesus Christ, the Son of God, showed up and showed out and suffered and bled and died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. Anyway, Chuck Swindoll continues, he paid our debt in full by giving his life so that we might live forever. What a privilege. What a blessing. What a victory. Uh, Dr. Warren Worsby said the resurrection is an essential part of the gospel message and a key doctrine in the Christian faith. It proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that his atoning work on the cross has been completed and is effective. The empty cross and the empty tomb are God's receipts, if you will, telling us that the debt has been paid. The sin debt that the whole world owes God has been paid in full. Jesus Christ is not only the Savior, but he is also the sanctifier and the intercessor.
One day he will return as judge. From the very beginning, the enemies of the Lord tried to deny the historic fact of the resurrection. The Jewish leaders claimed that the Lord's body had been stolen from the tomb. This statement is absurd, for if the body was stolen by his followers, how did they do it? The tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers, and the stone sealed by an official Roman seal. Furthermore, his disciples did not believe that he was to be raised from the dead, evidently. It was his enemies who remembered his words, sad to say. Besides that, they fled. The disciples forsook Jesus. But did you notice that Jesus didn't forsake them? Uh, I don't know if Jesus and now I spent three and a half years training you all. I took you all through the Jesus Christ University. And uh, uh, I don't have time to do that again. So let me say peace uh, unto you. He didn't forsake them even though they forsook him. He didn't even in the passages, passages that we read, he didn't even deal with that. Evidently, his attitude was, was, let's stay calm and carry on. Let's move on. Okay? And, 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 and quickly ordained them. He said, as God sent me, I send you. And then he breathed on them and gave them the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what Mother Breelove and them used to say, which, which that freaked us out as, as great-grandchildren. That's my great-grandmother, my Mother Breelove and them, Gladys Beeman and them. They didn't say the Holy Spirit. They, they could have, but they, they chose the Holy Ghost. It's in the Bible, too, so that's where they got it from. But they always used that back in the back in those days. They certainly would not have taken the body. The last thing they wanted was anyone believing that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. If his friends could not steal the body, and his enemies would not steal the body, then who took the body? Perhaps the disciples had visions of the risen Lord and interpreted them as evidences for the resurrection, some say. But they did not expect to see him as they did. And that is not the kind of psychological preparation from which hallucinations are made. And how could more than 500 people have the same hallucination at the same time? Either you saw him or you didn't. Did the followers of our Lord perhaps go to the wrong tomb? 
not likely. They carefully watched where he was buried. They loved the master and were not likely to get confused about his resting place. That's why Mary Magdalene knew exactly where to go. In fact, as the women approached the tomb, they were worried about who would uh, roll back the heavy stone. So they were acquainted with the situation. Now you all, you know that Mary, Jesus' mother, and her girlfriends, no doubt, who she had told everything's gonna be all right. Y'all, you're gonna see some things. Some things now. Stick with me. The reason why she was that way is because she was the mother of Jesus, and she knew that her, his birth was a miracle. I really don't know what's going to happen, but I, just stick with me. I think you're gonna see something. Uh, very, very miraculous and very powerful. So now, if they're going to stand there at the cross and suffer that pain and humiliation watching her son die naked before the world, now, buddy, you know they're going to find out where that tomb is. You can make on that. It, it, that's just nature of, of good women. They're very thorough. Uh, you can put some barricades up, whatever, whatever you want to do. We want to see where my son is buried. Roman guards, you know, you know, some women are, you know, they they they're not scared of Roman guards. They don't care, they can care less. But <laughs> they care less about that. We're gonna see where Jesus is buried. That's how Mary Magdalene knew where to go early. In the morning. As to the foolish argument that Jesus did not die, but only swooned and was later revived, little need to be said about that foolishness. It was proved by many witnesses that Jesus was dead. when his body was taken from the cross. Uh, Later he was seen alive by dependable witnesses. The only logical confusion, or rather the only logical collusion, uh, pardon me, the only logical conclusion is that he kept his promise and arose from the dead. That's the only logical conclusion. And that's another reason why I love the Christian faith, and I loved it right from the get-go, is because it is very logical to me. It makes sense. I know we have a set of people who like to have spooky things and all of that and no facts and just feelings and impressions and I come from a, 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 a group of people who are like that on my mother's side Pentecostal, holiness, charismatic 
on my dad's side, they were Baptists. Uh, and there are some people, and I, I believe some of it comes from uh, where we come from, like things to be kind of spooky. Uh, I, I like things to be kind of, you know, nebulous, not concrete, but uh, and not logical. But that's one of the things that attracted me to Christ and to Christianity. It makes sense. It's logical. The resurrection is the triumphant and glorious victory for every believer of the Lord Jesus Christ and for God and Jesus Christ as well. This is God's masterpiece when I survey the wondrous cross. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day, according to the Holy Scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the good news. The bad news, my friend, is that you are a sinner. You deserve to die, and you will. And you deserve to die and go to hell and stay there forever. It is the prison, prison of all times. The prison house of all time. Jesus said in hell, there is fire that shall never be quenched. Jesus Christ, who said that, is coming again. The dead in Christ will be raised up, and those who are alive at his coming will be raised up as well from the earth and changed and receive new glorified bodies. God is all about the raising up and the resurrection. Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ important? It proves who Jesus is. It demonstrates that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. It shows that God has the power to raise us from the dead. Since he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he can raise us from the dead. It guarantees that the bodies of those who believe in Jesus Christ will not remain dead, but will be resurrected unto eternal life. At least three times in his earthly ministry, Jesus predicted that he would die and rise again. After three days. If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, he would have failed in his prophecies. He would have been yet another false prophet, God forbid, and I say that 
very respectfully, to be ignored. As it is, however, we have a living Lord and Savior faithful to his word. Everything that was said about Jesus Christ came to pass. Stand in the middle. All the way, closer. All the way. Everything said about him came to pass. Right here. Come in closer. Everything predicted by Jesus Christ uh, and everything predicted before Jesus Christ came to pass. The angel at Jesus' intertune was able to point to a fulfilled prophecy. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. That always gets me. How straightforward the angels were. Scripture links the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and we must remain or rather we must maintain that link. Jesus' entrance into the tomb is as uh, equally important as his exit from the tomb. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 5, Paul defines the gospel as the dual truth that Jesus died for our sins, proved by his burial, and that he rose again the third day proved by his appearances to many witnesses. This gospel truth is of first importance. It is impossible to separate the death of Jesus Christ from his resurrection. Impossible. To believe in one without the other is to believe in a false gospel a phony gospel, a fake gospel that cannot save you. Believing in it, by the way, believing anything other than this gospel truth will not save you. Believing that you can work your way to heaven will not save you. Believing you can pay your way to heaven will not save you. Getting baptized will not save you. Doing work in the church will not save you. None of these things will save your soul from hell. In order for Jesus to have truly arisen from the dead, he must have truly died. In order for his death to have a true meaning for us, he must have a true resurrection. We cannot have one without the other. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, 
save in the death of Christ my God. All of the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them through his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine? Isaac Watts said. Were the whole world. Were the whole realm of nature mine? That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. If I owned the whole world and try to give it back, it would be a present too small for what Jesus Christ did for me and for what he did for you. Now, beloved, if you are with us today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, allow me to show you how you can place your faith and trust in him for your soul's salvation from the power of sin, the pain of sin, and the punishment of sin, which we all deserve. And that is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, please accept the fact and understand that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's laws. The Holy Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have failed God. We all have done evil in God's sight repeatedly over and over again by lying, by stealing, by uh, lusting in our hearts. At people and things. By dishonoring and disrespecting our parents. By dishonoring God by taking his name in vain. That's just five of the commandments that we have broken. We all have broken many more repeatedly in his sight. We're all sinners. You are a sinner. The Pope is a sinner. The Dalai Lama is a sinner. Joel Osteen, the pastor of the largest church in America, is a sinner. I am a sinner. But we all who are saved have a great Savior. Second, accept the fact that there is a penalty for sin. There is a punishment for sin. <clears throat> the Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. We die because of our sins. We don't die because of a car crash. We don't die because of cancer, we don't die because of cardiac arrest. We die because of sin. Sin. 
Sin is what kills us. Our own sin. The sins you commit will hang you one day and kill you. And if God will allow you to die and leave this beautiful earth, God wants me to tell you that he will allow you to go to hell. That's where you sent yourself. He didn't send you there. He's not going to send you there. You sent yourself. Because you loved the darkness and sin and the pleasure of sin more than you loved God. More than you loved Jesus Christ and getting saved. Third, dear friend, accept the fact that you are on the road to hell. Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, 43 through 48, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee, Jesus Christ said, to enter heart into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, plug it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a very real place. And here are some people who are going to hell, found in Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. That includes homosexuals, lesbians, men and women who molest children, those who commit incest, thinking that you're going to get away with it, a son, uh, rather a father with his daughter, a mother with her son, a brother with his sister, you're going to hell because you're committing abominations which make you abominable. Those of you who are so sick, you try to get love and sex from an animal. These are abominations that God forbids in the Bible along with other sins. Adultery, fornication, pride, and then in this text, and murderers, people who kill others, and whoremongers, men are normally seen as whoremongers, women as whores. He said, well, Mary Magdalene uh, was a whore. Is she in heaven? Yes, she's in heaven. You know why? Because she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're a whore, if you're a whoremonger, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are a homosexual, if you have, God forbid, committed the heinous sin and crime of molesting children, or incest, God forbid, 
uh, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ too and be saved. And whoremongers can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And sorcerers, people who practice voodoo and witchcraft, using other powers, satanic powers other than the power of God to get something. And idolaters, people who put anything or anybody before God. There are some people who uh, their house is an idol. Their yard is an idol so much they would rather stay home and cut the grass on Sunday morning instead of go to church. Some people, their children are their idols. Or their wife or husband is an idol to them. Uh, anything that God has given to you and you worship that more than you worship God or you worship it at all, at all, is an idol. For some men, sports, sports stars are their idols. And then the Bible says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Sounds like the preaching of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, preached more on hell than anybody in the Bible. He preached more on hell than any prophet, and more on hell, he preached more on hell than any apostle. He was very loving, he is very loving, but he was a hellfire and brimstone preacher as well, which he did because he loved you, and because he loves you, he wants you to hear that even to this day which is the second death, the Bible says, about these people. Did you see yourself in that number? Are you an unbeliever, so-called atheist, agnostic? Huh? You don't believe in God? Remember, this whole week is about, in the passages that we read, John 19 and 20, all written to help you to believe. Believe in who? Believe in Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation. So hell is bad news, isn't it? Hell with fire in it is bad news. To, to be there forever is bad news, but that is where you're going if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. We've been preaching the good news all week long. We had to preach the bad news first so that you can understand and appreciate the good news. <clears throat> the good news is and was preached first and best by none other than Jesus Christ. When he said the most important words ever said in the history of the world as far as I'm concerned, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. And so, dear friend, if you want to be a partaker of that good news, 
and be saved from the hell you deserve. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou you shall be saved. Just believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins. Was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you. So that you can live forever with him. Pray and ask him to come into your heart to save your soul today and he will save you. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the eternal burning hell forever. Saved to what? Saved to heaven to be with God and Jesus Christ, the angels, and the other saints. Old Testament, yes, up there with Moses. Yes, up there with Abraham. Yes, up there with Adam. I don't know if Eve made it or not, but and Eve too. I'm up there with Isaiah. All the famous saints that God made famous. All the New Testament saints as well. Paul, Peter, Mary Magdalene. And guess what? I got some, some more good news for you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved, you need to understand that God wants you there more than you want to be there. God wants you to get saved more than you want to get saved. So believe in him today. And uh, pray with me the sinner's prayer, believing in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For Romans 10.9 says it this way. That if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have heard many infallible proofs this past week that cannot be denied. Simply believe in Jesus Christ, not based upon uh, some myths or ideas of man, but based upon the biblical facts that you've heard this week and today. Historical facts. Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose on the third day to save your soul from hell. Follow me in prayer as you believe in none other than Jesus Christ. Repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, 
I admit that I am a sinner and that I have sinned against you many times. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And for Jesus Christ's sake, please forgive me of all of my sins, my failures and my faults, as I now believe in you. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I believe that you suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for my sins. That you were buried and rose from the dead by the power of God. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul from the hell that I deserve. And to the heaven I don't deserve. Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to change and help me to repent of all of my sins. And help me to turn from my evil lifestyle. And help me to follow you in the newness of life. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake, amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose from the dead by the power of God, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ Jesus, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book free of charge titled What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me of any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Dear friend, if you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, please email us at dw3 at gospellightsociety.com and let us know. We have some free material that we want to send to you to help you to grow in the faith and be the Christian that God wants you to be. Also, if you have a prayer request, please email that to us as well, and we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you. We love you. And may God bless you. What a week it has been by the grace of God when I survey the wondrous cross. Never forget this week. 
never forget uh, God's word. Meditate on it. And may I encourage you to pray without ceasing throughout this day and throughout the remainder of your life if you are a child of God. If you are not a child of God, if you are not saved, please get saved with the quickness because things are winding down very quickly. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time, let's all stand for our closing prayer. Holy Father God in heaven, what a day you have given to us. No doubt one of the best Sunday mornings we've had down through the years. And it's all been done by you. We give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. And we thank you, Lord, for this series, this theme of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Thank you for taking us back to the cross. Thank you for reminding us of the fundamentals of the faith from your holy word. Now, Lord, help us to live it out today. Help us, some of us, are going to go out and pass out gospel tracts as well today. And Lord, we pray that those souls will be saved. Help other Christians to go out on this Easter, on this Resurrection Sunday, not just to eat and to talk, but to witness to others and tell others about Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose on the third day so that we could be saved from our sins and from the punishment of hell that we deserve forever. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray and forsake. Amen. <laughs>